I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I passed out a paper to everybody right here. And this is, I incorporated several of the gods on this paper out of your concordance. Uh, if you notice, it's not alphabetically. started off with Baal and then got down here to Balaam, which is plural for Baal. Then the grove and then Molech. And then Dagon, which was the fish god of, of the Philistines. And Ashtaroth, which is a generic term for all of the female tree deities, which was the grove. And then Shemosh, which was the sun god of, uh, south, southern Jordan, which back then it was called Moab. Jordan is right next to, it's right next to Israel, right next door. If this is the Mediterranean Sea, and then this is Israel here, and then this is Lebanon up here, or Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon in the Bible, and then over here is Egypt, and then you've got here is here is uh, Jordan. And you have Amon Jordan, and they worshipped they worshipped Ammon, or they were actually worshipped Molech, M O L O C H, and you got many variations of Molech in in northern Jordan. You got Milcom, Malcolm, uh, anything that has that same basic spelling, and they all were the sun god. Then you had Moab down here. This is all Jordan today. Jordan's kind of afraid of Israel because they're right next door to this nuclear power, and they just—they usually take a, a a light stand with the other Arab nations. They don't want to get—they don't want to incur Israel's wrath because they got all these—they got all these uh, missiles there. Uh, nuclear warheads and so usually they have a pacifist attitude towards Israel now they have attacked them at a certain time but uh, so in Moab they worship Shemosh C-H-E-M-O-S-H and this paper here with all these gods Ashtaroth Molech groves all these sun and tree gods is the reason for the 70 weeks of Daniel that God measured out his judgment to Israel because they went after all of these gods after he liberated them from Egypt they took out after all these gods well it's not hard to understand it why would God do that He's he's measured out these 70 weeks, and we've been talking about the 70 weeks of Daniel. We're going to try to say some more about it, and I want you to turn your Bibles over. The 70 weeks of Daniel. This is a chart that I, that I drew up, and a lady typed it up for me on the Internet. And this is a chart. This is all of the Old Testament chart. We got them. 
I've got them right down here. You can get one and take it with you. This is everything in the Old Testament. Well, let me start where I need to. This is Genesis 1 is the beginning, then God creates man in 2. They eat of the tree in chapter 3. Cain and Abel chapter 4. Cain kills Abel. And then the bloodline of... That's the bloodline in... In chapter 4, it's the bloodline of Cain, and it doesn't go back to God. Then you have the bloodline in Genesis 5 of the righteous bloodline of God, which goes all the way to Israel. And the bloodline in in Genesis 5 is right here. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enosh, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. And then Noah's son, Shem, his second-born son, gets this promise. It goes from Shem to Arphaxed to Salah, Eber, uh, Peleg, Reu, and then Serug, Nahor, and then Terah, which is the father of Abraham. And this here is the bloodline. That's it right here. Then you had the flood in 6 through 9. Then the table of nations, that is where, the table of nations is where all of the the three sons of Noah went to, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, where they migrated to. Shem went into the lower Mesopotamian valley down in Babylon, and Japheth went up between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, which was... Uh, we call Russia or Georgia now and then uh, uh, Cain, uh, Ham went down into Put which is Egypt down to the area of Ethiopia and so forth down there and then you had then you had these are the these are the sons of Jacob here's Israel Jacob's name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. And he had these sons. You can see these sons born in the 29th and 30th chapters of Genesis. This is Jacob's sons. And and I've got it laid out here. Uh, Levi, out of Levi, the third born of Jacob, would come the priesthood. Out of Judah would come the king. David was of the tribe of Judah. Jesus of the line of Judah. And then Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher are sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, the handmaidens of Jacob's two wives. And then then Leah has Issachar and Zebulun. And in right here after Issachar, uh, Jacob's only daughter is born, and her name was Dinah, D-I-N-A-H. And that's a very interesting story. I won't go into it right now. And then Joseph was the 11th born, and Benjamin. Out of Joseph, because God wouldn't number Levi with Israel, Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, sons of Joseph, Manasseh, and Ephraim. And God gave the inheritance to Ephraim, not to Manasseh. Ephraim got the inheritance. So, then they become, they, Joseph is sold into bondage. Let me, 
flip this thing here. Joseph is sold into bondage, and then they're 400 years into bondage. They come out of Egypt, they're 40 years in the wilderness, and then they come into the promised land. Joshua brings them into the promised land. The book of Joshua is about that. And Joshua has been set up by God to appoint what lands these people have. I've got a map over here. It'll show you what Joshua did. He set this up the way God said. And so you got the 12 tribes here in this area of Israel. Joshua came in and told him who would have what land area. Now, if you notice, Levi's nowhere in there because he's not, he's never numbered with Israel. And Levi lived all over Israel because they were the priests and Israel needed priests. So, I could say more about that, but I won't. So these, if you'll notice, Manasseh is a big area and Manasseh and Ephraim, Ephraim is that is the he's got the inheritance of all of Israel. That's God gave it to Ephraim by Jacob in the forty eighth chapter of Genesis. So he gets the inheritance. Any time Ephraim is mentioned long after he's dead, it's talking about all of northern Israel. You notice Simeon is down here. I'm not going to tell you why he's down here other than to say he was real rebellious. He was the second born of Jacob and he just wouldn't behave himself. I I believe God stuck him right down there in the middle of Judah so Judah could keep a hand on him. (laughs) Why make him behave himself? That's the only reason I believe it is. Now, Now, let me go to this next part of course they come into the land Joshua does all the conquering he conquers Jericho and Ai and then the judges ruled and I put a 255 to 310 years it depends on which judge you believe is the first and which one you believe is the last I believe Joshua was the first judge even though he's not numbered as such and I believe Samuel was the 13th judge they had 13 judges, just like they had 13 tribes when God split the tribe of Joseph into two. And just like they had 13 apostles. Paul said, I was an apostle, one born out of due time. So he was the 13th. And then they go through the judges, and here's all of the judges as they're numbered. Othniel was Caleb's nephew. Then Ehud, a left-handed man. The Jews said left-handed men were evil. God says, I'll give you one to deliver you. You better depend on him. And then Shamgar and Deborah and Gideon. They thought, a woman leading us, are you out of your mind, God? So he says, I'll give you Deborah, she'll lead you. And Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, the son of a harlot. They kicked him out of the land and said, we don't want the son of a harlot, an illegitimate son ruling us. And then they got attacked and somebody said, go get Jephthah. He's a great leader and he'll save us. So Jephthah saved them. And then Ibzan, Elon, these were all righteous men. Abdon, Samson was a judge. 
and then Samuel 13. And then, so, they, the judges rule for all the time they rule. Oops. And then you, then the kings of Israel start. And Saul is, I've got Saul being the first king, but God was actually the first king. Saul wasn't the first king, God was. And they wanted, they said, we want a king to rule us. And the reason was because uh, Samuel, who was the prophet, Samuel was, every one of these kings had a prophet was telling them what to do. Saul's prophet was Samuel. David's prophet was also Samuel. And Saul's being the, Samuel being the prophet of Saul, God had him pick him out. And he picked out, he showed Saul, he showed Samuel who Saul was and he laid hands on him and Saul was a really a good guy when he started. There was not a goodlier man in Israel. But jealousy got in his heart when he thought he would get angry and get overwhelmed with his anger and just try to take it out on the people. And when you get into that 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, God appoints David as king because Saul, during his reign, you can put right under Saul, you can put 11 through 15. He is disobedient to God. And he don't do anything right. So David, David is pointed. It has not David's idea to become king. It's God's. But Saul says it's David's. So he's trying to kill him. Lots of stories to that. I need to get on. I I, I can stop and talk about these guys, but I don't need to do that right now. So you get into First Kings about 1015 B.C. And Solomon becomes the king of Israel. He is David's son. Because of Solomon's sin of keeping uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines, a concubine was a secondary wife, and they could have babies by them. God split the nation, and he gave northern Israel to Ephraim. And that's the ten lost tribes. Southern Judah was given to to Judah. The two southern tribes was Judah and Benjamin. So they start off and they get involved in idol worship. And God says, I had enough of that. And of course, when Saul is king, he brings in Baal in the grove and Ashtaroth. And then when you get on down to the 16th chapter of 1 Kings, that's when, that's when uh, uh, Ahab gets involved in sun and tree worship, brings it down to Israel, and God says, uh, and because of all their sun and tree worship, by all these gods here, all the time they're a nation, God says, I'm going to scatter you. So he does just that. 
he scatters them all over the earth and um, let me see here no he scatters them and here they northern Israel goes into captivity I'm trying to see how you got it laid out here I had Jesse put this on the board and they go into captivity in 722 B.C. by the Assyrian kings. And the only one left is southern Judah. And they're carried away in 586 B.C. to go into captivity. These are all the prophets of... I left... I left. These are the minor prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike, the Nahum, Vicar, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. These and this is the way they come in the Bible, and these are the major prophets. I left one out. I should have put it in there. That was Moses, then Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And because of what they did while they were a nation, that's the reason for the seventy weeks of Daniel. Now I want to take us back over. I could talk about Israel. I've spent my life studying Israel I love the history of Israel and what it's about now I want to go back now these prophets some of these are prophets some of them are along the way did I have the prophets of the captivity in there I had here they are here's the prophets of the captivity Ezekiel Jehoiakim, Obadiah, Joel, Haggai, Zechariah, Daniel, and Malachi. These are after Israel was taken captive. And they're in Babylon. And you have to understand that in order to understand Daniel's in Babylon when he speaks of the 70 weeks of Daniel. Let's go to, let's go over here back to Daniel the ninth chapter chapter nine all right I, if I repeat something I feel like it's necessary to do it because I have studied the 70 weeks of Daniel since 1964 and I've put I don't know how many thousands of hours in studying it I've studied men that wrote books on it. I've got two very good books on the 70 weeks. I've got this one here is Alvin McLean's 70 weeks. Alvin McLean wrote this in 1940. This is before Israel became a nation again in 1948. He could not even foresee them coming back and being a nation again. And that's everything because that has to do with the Gentile rule over the Jews being consummated. Then this one is chronological aspects of the life of Christ. This was written by Harold Honer. And Mr. Honer was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. That was a seminary for postgraduates to go and get their doctor's degree. It is uh, one of the top 
postgraduate seminaries in America. He's got chapters in here on all kinds of things about the life of Christ in chronology, about his birth, uh, the date of his birth, when his ministry began. And he's got a chapter on the 70 weeks of Daniel that is really good. Don't mean I agree with them on all of their theology. Sometimes one of these guys will believe in Christmas. Sometimes one of them will believe in in uh, uh, baptism is water. I don't try to... You can't come up and say, if they don't know the truth about predestination, I'm not going to take algebra from a teacher. Well, algebra don't need, doesn't have no predestination to teach algebra. So you have to, when you're reading books, I've been reading books since I was very young, you've got to exegete or glean out the facts and leave the other things behind. If it's opinion, if they say, I-E, that is id-est, it's a Latin term, I-E, means that is to say. Well, it may be true and it may not. You have to weigh it with everything else you're reading. Now, I want to go through this 70 weeks in as detailed as I can. Because of what Israel did when they were a nation under kings, because of what they did in this time period right here, that's why God scattered them, scattered northern Israel here and southern Judah here. He scattered them by the beast, and the beast was Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. Those were the world empires. Babylon was overthrown by by the Persians. Persia is not something mystical. Persia is the same thing. Let me go over here to a map. Persia is the same thing as Iran. It's the same thing as Afghanistan. Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan... And all of those stands, there's all kinds of stands over there. They made up the Persian Empire. Let me get over here. Here. This is this is the Persian Empire. When you get over east of the Tigris River going down here. you got the Tigris and the Euphrates coming down. This area right here is Iraq. That is Babylon. This is Persia over here, Pakistan, Iran, uh, Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan, so forth. So this is the beast Babylon. This is the beast, the bear. Uh, yeah, the bear. The bear, the reason they called Persia the bear is because they had the largest armies that had ever existed. And, and the bear is the largest carnivore in the world. And then... Persia was overthrown, was subjugated by Alexander the Great. And that's the that's the beast. And they all rise up out of this sea right here because their boundaries of domination were upon the sea. We're upon this Mediterranean Sea. So you got the you got Persian bear, you got the Babylonian lion. You've got the Grecian leopard, 
and the beasts with iron teeth roam. And that's and they come up out of the sea. When you see the beasts coming up out of the sea, they were there to carry Israel into captivity. When Babylon would fall, they'd fall at the hands of the armies of the Persians. The Persians fell at the power of Alexander the Great, the great Grecian conqueror. And then when they fell, they Persia didn't uh, Greece didn't actually fall. I've got to stipulate this. Greece, their commander, was living over in Babylon. Each time each one of them would conquer, they would stay in Babylon because it was such a beautiful city. Except when the Romans, what what happened? Let me tell you what happened. Alexander the Great did all of his conquering, uh, all these lands, and then he died in Babylon at about 32 years old. He was a magnificent uh, military strategist. and But he died in Rome. They, they died in Babylon, and they believe one of his generals poisoned him. And his generals were Lysacomus, Cassander, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. Seleucus was the he got the lion's share of his empire. Seleucus. And he was the king of Syria. Syria under Seleucus was trying to... It was like a cauldron boiling and they were trying to get big enough to overtake the world. They were going to have to overtake the beast with iron teeth. And he had never accomplished that. That would take a super, super people to do that. Well, anyway, when he died, his four generals took over, but they never really had an empire. So they took over, and then they were actually subjugated. That means to put to put a, a handcuff on to put some kind of bonds on them, and that were done. That was done by the Roman Empire. Now Rome finally fell around four thirty-six A.D. It's really nearly comical when uh, when Constantine, who he had been the emperor over here at Constantinople, that was the Eastern Empire, and the Western Empire was ruled by Maximus, the the Caesar at Rome. Well, Constantine went over there and conquered Rome. And while he was the Caesar, he had a fear of the, the church was multiplying at a tremendous rate, and he was trying to kill them off as fast as they were multiplying. And he couldn't do it. He had that problem, and he had the problem of the Huns, and the Vandals, and the Goths, and the Visigoths, and the Burgundians, and the Saxons, and these were all sun and tree worshippers. And he thought, they're going to come into Rome, they're going to conquer Rome, and I need to do something to save the Roman Empire. So what he did, he said, I invited all of them into the church at Rome, and I brought in the Christians and I took the Feast of Saturn and called it 
turned it into the Saturnalia, the Feast of Saturn, and he renamed the Feast of Saturn Christ's Mass or Christmas. It's a Roman Catholic in origin. That's all it is. Now, because, and these beasts here, they overthrew one another, and they finally, they kept Israel in captivity through, I gave you a paper last week, when they carried them away into captivity, these are all the nations that ruled them until May 14, 1948. Well, Daniel, in this ninth chapter, is asking God. He is, Daniel is one of the prophets of the captivity. He's asking God, how long are we going to be held captive? And God has sent the angel Gabriel to him about the time of the evening oblation or the evening sacrifice and tells him it's going to be 70 times 7. Now, I've got to go back and tell you, I can't even teach this without reminding you, the main reason that Israel went after all those other gods is because Jehovah God told them in Leviticus, the 25th chapter, he gave them a command that they didn't like at all. He said, you got to take one year out of every seven years and leave the land alone and let it lie fallow. That means don't plow it up, don't plant nothing, and don't harvest anything. Leave everything there for the poor and for the animals and whatever need you have that grows of itself. You can go out there in the field. But you can't harvest anything. You can't go out there and take an entire crop out. Well, they said, we don't like that. So they never kept Sabbath for 40 sets. For 40, 70 times 7. They had 70 sets of these sabbatical years. They never kept 70 times 7. So he said, what we're going to do is put you over here in Babylon. We'll put you in Babylon for 70 straight years, 70 years. And by that time, all the land in Israel will have restored all the nutrients. You can't, they had 490 years, 70 sets of these years. They had never kept the sabbatical year. That's 490 years. They never kept it. But if God says, if I set you over here for 70 years in Babylon, I'll give, I'll put it in the hearts of the kings that overthrow Babylon, the Persian kings, Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, I'll put it in their hearts to issue decrees to go back and for you to go back and rebuild the temple, there'll be three degrees, three decrees concerning that. But Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, and then Artaxerxes will give a third decree. These will be in the book of Ezra, and then Artaxerxes will give. I'll just call him Art. We'll give a decree in Nehemiah the second chapter to go and rebuild the city. 
But the shame was in Ezra, the second chapter, only about 46 or 47,000 went back and there were millions that had been carried away captive. You say, why wouldn't they go back? Well, because Babylon turned out to be, they were turned loose, they bought lands, they raised kids, they had families, they planted vineyards, and they had everything they wanted in Babylon. Why would they go back to a wasteland, and that's what Israel was, a wasteland to rebuild the temple and the city. Besides that, they had organized the synagogue in Babylon, synagogue, and they had their form of the law over there, and it was called the Halakha, and that was an opinion. Halakha, it was a twisting of God's law. So, the reason for the 70 weeks was because what they did in Israel, they went after all of these gods, and I just kind of clipped them all out and put them all on one page. That's They went after more gods than this. You can look in Ezra, the ninth chapter, the first few verses, they went after all the gods of the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all of those ites gods, they went after them too. I just took some names of most of them out of the Bible that they went after. You can write Ezra 9 on the top of that paper and the first few verses, you can read that. And they, Israel was just corrupt. That's why God called the church. Now, I want us to read this. Uh, maybe I ought to... Daniel in the... In the ninth chapter, the first, this was in the second year of Darius, the son of of Ahasuerus. Now, Ahasuerus, you can write this in your Bible, A-H-A-S-U-E-R-U-S. A-H, it's hard to pronounce. A-H-A-S-U-E, A-S. U-E-R-U-S. Ahasuerus was the same thing as X-E-R-X-E-S. Xerxes. He, that was his commercial name in history. He was Xerxes, and I gave you this, uh, this paper with all the... No, it's not on that. Well, I got it here somewhere. It's with all of these kings. Well, I got one right here. Here's all the Persian kings. And the Persians that you got Cyrus, Darius the first, and Xerxes, and Artaxerxes. This Artaxerxes, the first one is the one that gave the commandment to rebuild the city. In fact, Artaxerxes gave two of the commandments. He gave one to support the building of the temple. That was in 456, 57, somewhere around there. And then that's the... The first one down is Cyrus. 
He's the one that gave the first decree to rebuild the temple. You can put temple there. That was Cyrus's. That's where the Spirit of the Lord came to Cyrus and put it in his mind to rebuild the temple. You can skip Cambyses. He was the son of Cyrus. He was a two-bit king. (laughs) He really wasn't worth much. And then Darius is the one that gave the second decree. That's in Ezra, the sixth chapter. He gave the second decree to reinforce the first decree. I'll go over that as I'm teaching that. And then you had Xerxes, Ahasuerus. Xerxes is the king in Esther. And I'll go through some of that along the way. And then Artaxerxes, Longimanus, he is the one that gave the decree to rebuild the city in Nehemiah, the second chapter. And these others are just, they're kings of Persia, but they're not biblical kings, and we're not really interested in them. All right. Let me do one thing. Daniel is asking God, how long are we going to be in captivity? And he's reading in verse 2 of Daniel 9, in the first year of the reign of reign of the reign of Darius. Darius started reigning in 522 BC. That's very important. I Daniel understood by books. He was reading the books of Jeremiah. The number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem while he carries them off to Babylon. Now let's look at what he was reading one more time. Jeremiah, the 25th chapter. I'll just read a couple of verses here. This is very important to understand this. 25th chapter. 25. And starting in the 11th verse, and this is Daniel's in Babylon. Jeremiah stayed in Israel when Daniel was carried away. He was over here on the Euphrates River. As the bird flies, is not the way they could go because this is all desert. They had to go up here north, come to Israel from the north. Daniel is over here. Ezekiel is over here. And Jeremiah stays here in Israel because he's told by King Nebuchadnezzar, by his emissary, his head general, Nebuchadnezzar, you can stay here, you can come over here, and we'll give you land. We heard you were an honest man. You were trying to warn these people, and they didn't listen to you. Daniel said, I'll stay, not Daniel, Jeremiah said, I'll stay here with the poor. So Jeremiah's over here. That goes back to the the prophets of the captivity. Daniel and Ezekiel over here. All right. Now, let's read this. This is what Daniel was reading. 25 and 11. Except there was no 25 and no 11. 
chapters and verses were not inspired. They opened scrolls and he's reading Daniel's Daniel work. And this whole land shall be a desolation and astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. And that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans, which is another term for Babylon. And the land of the Chaldeans will make it a perpetual desolation. Then one more time. In Jeremiah, this is what Daniel was reading. In Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, he's telling, Daniel's telling, Daniel told him to go to Babylon, or excuse me, Jeremiah told him to go to Babylon, plant vineyards, plant gardens, build houses, have babies. You're going to be there 70 years. And then he says here in don't listen to the prophets of Israel that are with you. They've lied while you were over in Israel, and now you've been carried away. Verse 8, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken unto your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For thy prophecy falsely, they prophesy falsely, Unto you in my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, in causing you to return to this place. But most of them didn't come back. Then over here in Zechariah. Zechariah, the first chapter. All these prophets are prophesying, what God said he would do. Zechariah is one of the prophets of the captivity. He's he's actually in Israel because he and and Haggai have been given a commandment by God to stir up the people of Israel when they quit building the temple. They stop the the decrees are given to build, rebuild the temple that has been destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. The decree was given in 538 B.C. But Persia overthrew Babylon in 539. And so Persia's ruling there and Zechariah and they stopped building in 539. 36 because they get some threats from one of the enemies of God. His name is Tatanai. Let me put these on the board. Let me erase this up here. I need that room. There's three men you need to be aware of. Ezra. Nehemiah. And Esther. There's three men in these books. Three men in these books you got to be aware of. Tathanai, that's God's enemy. He comes up and tells Israel, I'm going to tell King Darius on you. You're over here building the city and you've been a rebellious city. 
or you're building a temple and you've been a rebellious people. But Cyrus gave him the decree and he had been the king that gave him the decree. Cyrus gave him the first decree in 538. The decrees of the Persian Empire were unalterable. They could not be changed. Once a king gave the decree, even he couldn't change it himself. It was law as long as the Persian Empire stood. So Cyrus gave that decree to rebuild the temple. And when he stops the building of it in 536, that's against Persian law for Tatnai to do that. Long story. And then in Nehemiah, you've got a man named Sanballat. He tries the best he can to put a hitch in the building of the city. He wants to stop it. I'll go into him later. He's a hard man. All these men are hard. Then you have, in Esther, you have Haman. Just very evil itself. Just a wicked, godless man. And God's going to kill all of them. And, but you need to be aware of those guys because we got a lot to say about them. Now, if you look here in Zechariah, the first chapter, verse 12, Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou not have mercy on Jerusalem? Zechariah is living somewhere around 520 to 517. B.C. Somewhere in that neighborhood. He preached to Israel for three years. And how long wilt thou have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which thou hast had indignation these three score and ten years. A score is twenty. Three score is sixty plus ten is seventy years. Zechariah was there during this time period. They're going to finish building the temple in 516. Exactly 70 years since Israel was carried away in 586. They were carried away 70 years before. 70 is a very interesting number. I'm going to get into that as we get into this later. And then he says again over here in Zechariah, the seventh chapter, verse 5, speaking to all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even those seventy years did you all fast unto me, even to me. So seventy is a magical number. Seventy years in Babylon. Then God will give the decrees by these three Persian kings. Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, for them to return. And most of them wouldn't go home. So God says, since you won't go, I'm going to measure out these 77s in time. They're going to 
They're going to have a beginning and they're going to have an ending. I hope I'm not covering too much territory and being difficult. I hope you can understand it. I've taught on it many times. I did a 70-week series that lasted 18 months back in the early 2000s. And that was every Sunday morning for 18 months. And after a while, people get to where they can't handle all these dates and numbers. So I'll say them so many times you will. I hope you get a hold of some of them. Now, let's get back over here to Daniel. So Daniel's being held captive in Babylon, but he makes friends real easy. Nebuchadnezzar likes him. Darius likes him. Cyrus liked him. He was just a godly, gentle man. Now let's get back over to Daniel. And if you notice, everybody's crying out to God. Ezra cried out to God in the ninth chapter of Ezra. Lord, we've all sinned. Daniel says the same thing in this ninth chapter. We have sinned. He even included himself in it. Then he says, and all through here, this I'm not going to read this whole chapter. He's pleading with the angel, or with God, how long we got to stay here. Gabriel, the announcing angel, comes to him about the time of the evening oblation. I said it last week, or like a couple of days ago. I'll say it again. The time of the evening oblation. The oblation was a bread offering that was offered every evening at the temple. They offered a lamb. That was a sacrifice. And they had an oblation, which was a bread offering. Notice sacrifice. Sacrifice and oblation will cease at the end of time. Bread. It was about the time of the bread offering. They did it every morning about 6 o'clock, every evening about 6. It was either sun up or sun down. That's what it was. They did both the, the offering and the oblation. Now, Daniel's crying out to the Lord. Gabriel comes to him about the time of the evening oblation and says to him in verse 23, Daniel, thou art greatly beloved. How would you like for an angel to say that to you? You're greatly beloved. You don't have to worry about anything. And then he says, 70 weeks are determined. The word determined, it means decreed. Seventy sevens, and it doesn't say weeks, it says seventy Shabua, S-H-A-B-U-A, seventy sevens, seventy sevens are determined because you went that many times, many years, are determined upon your people to do six things. And this will clean you up, make you clean, holy clean. 
Seventy sevens are determined upon thy people to do six things. I'm going to go through the. I went through them real fast last week. To finish the transgression. The word transgression there is kalah. Let me erase some of this. Kalah. Daniel's in captivity because of the transgression of them going after Baal in the grove and Shemash and Molech and Ashtaroth and all these gods. So God's going to... God's God has determined a time on Israel to, number one, finish. Make an end of Israel transgressing Kalah. The word transgression means to restrict or prohibit or forbid. So God's going to restrict Israel and forbid them from going after all these gods at the end of the 70 weeks. And then to make an end of sins. What sins did Israel commit? All that that worship of the other gods. To make an end of sins, the word end is the word kathan, C-H-A-T-H-A-N. C-H-A-T-H-A-N. Kathan means to stop, to seal up, to stop the sins of Israel. To stop. And then he says, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation is a very interesting word. Kafar. That's the same word as atonement. We're going to make atonement for the sins of Israel and we're going to cause Israel to believe that atonement which will be Jesus Christ. The word reconciliation is the same word as it's the same exact word as pitch pitch the ark within and without with pitch. It's what the Lord told Noah in the sixth chapter of Genesis. Kafar to cover with kofar. Kofar means to stain and to die. Yes, pitch with pitch has the same exact meaning as baptizo with bapto. Baptizo means to cover. Bapto means to stain and to die. Peter said, eight souls were saved. It says by water in a King James Bible, but that's not right. The word is dia. Simply by putting by, it makes people think water baptism is the correct form. And that's a bad translation by those half the translators of the King James Bible, Roman Catholic. The word is dia. 
eight souls were saved through water. And then it says, baptism doth also now save us. If baptism saves us, it saves us just like the ark was saved with the pitch. Pitch was a red stained caulking. That's what kept the ark from sinking was the pitch. And the pitch in us is the Holy Spirit. God pitches us with the Holy Spirit which is truth, and that keeps us from sinking. That kept the ark from sinking. Eight souls were saved through water, and that kafar is the same word, reconciliation for iniquity. And then he says, to bring in everlasting righteousness. You're going to have to have all six of these things happen before the 70 weeks are done. The 70th week is going to come at the end of time. End of time, 70th week. There's going to be a gap between the end of the 69th week and the 70th week, that is the times of the Gentile church. I believe it's 2,000 years. I can't prove that, but I believe at the end of the 2,000 years, it makes more sense than anything else I've heard. And they'll be from Acts 2. It was in the neighborhood of 33 A.D. when Jesus... It was just 50 days after the Passover. That's when Pentecost came. Pent means five. And Pentecost came 50 days after the Passover. And I believe that possibly 2,000 years from then, it may have been 35 A.D. We're not sure because the calendars are not exact. The Lord could come. I'm not setting dates. Don't believe in that. But it could be in 2035 A.D. I don't know. Everything has been set up. Six is the number of man. Six days is the number of man. There was two thousand. There's four thousand years by the reckoning of the Bible from Adam until Jesus. Very possibly there can be 2,000 years from Jesus to eternity. With all the things that's going on around us, particularly with the end of the Gentile rule over the Jews, that's the end of the Gentiles abusing the Jews. And that happened May 14, 1948. They still are trying to fight them, but the Jews are coming out on top in all of these wars every time. Let me finish this. And then he says, to bring in everlasting righteousness. In the Hebrew, the word bring is B-O-W meaning to apply or attain righteousness. 
Everlasting is the word olam. It means eternity or always. When the Jews are brought back, they'll never be scattered again. That's what the Bible says in Amos. Hold your place there in Daniel and look over at Amos, the ninth chapter, and verse 15. I will plant them upon their land, speaking of the Jews, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. They're back. May 14, 1948. And the Arabs have attacked them on every hand. They've been attacking them through these major wars of 48, 57, 67, and 73. I read about them last week. And the Jews have been completely outnumbered. They can't go to heaven because they come from the seed of Abraham. They'll have to go to heaven to come through Jesus, I believe, because God had them win these overwhelming wars. There must be a remnant there. And they'll have to join us in the church and believing Jesus. How much time do I have, Mike? 31. All right. Let me get back to where I was in this, in the 70 weeks, to bring in everlasting righteousness. And then the fifth thing, the fourth thing was, hold on. Number four was, was to bring in to bring in everlasting bring in that means olam that means it will never go away again that has to be at the end of time when Jesus comes the number five all of these things have to come about in order for it to end, to end the 70 weeks. To, to, seal up, to, to seal up the vision and prophecy. Seal is the word, the same word as end, katham. It means to make katham. Same word as here. It means to make an end or to stop by fulfilling. Vision is the word kazom, C-H-A-Z-O-W-N, C-H-A-Z-O-W-N, to seal up the vision, meaning sight or revelation. Prophecy is the word nabi, N-A-B-I-Y. Nabi, and it means to a prophet or an inspired man. When God makes an end of the revelation of the inspired prophet, it will be in eternity. 
And the last thing on the list is always interesting to me. To anoint the most holy. Number six. Anoint most holy. That's very interesting. Because the holy of holies of the most holy place was this inner sanctuary and the inner sanctuary where the Ark of the Covenant was, the thick veil with the cherubim on each side of the Ark and the wings going over and touching the tent and they had one on each end of the Ark and they had two of them woven in this and that was those four creatures that that Noah was told when he come out of the ark, I'm going to establish my covenant with the beast of the field. And the king of the beasts is the lion. With the birds of the air, or the fowl of the air, the way the Bible puts it. Fowl. The fowl of the air. And the king of the fowl is the eagle. And with the cattle of the field. And the king of the cattle is the ox. And with man. And inside God's, inside this holy of holies, you had the face of a man, the face of a cattle, of an ox, the face of an eagle, and the face of a lion on the heads on these, on these cherubim. And on these, I don't know if they were four faces on one animal or if it was a man here and a lion here and an eagle here and an ox here. But that was the inner part of the sanctuary. The inner sanctuary was called the house of God because he came down out of the cloud and set on that Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat. So, when the Bible says to anoint the most holy, this is very significant because the most holy place was called the house of God. And the Bible says over here in the New Testament in Hebrews 3 and 6, Christ is the son of his own house whose house are we we are this house of God and he writes upon fleshy tables of our heart he wrote upon tables of stone and kept it inside the ark of the covenant the ark was sprinkled and our hearts are sprinkled so when he anoints the most holy the last one will come into the flock or come into the kingdom and the most holy or the house of God will be completely anointed and that will have to be at the end of time when the last one comes in. Last one in. All right. Now, we're going to give the time factor of the 70 weeks. It starts in verse 25. No Therefore, and understand that from the going forth 
of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem after it had been destroyed will be seven weeks three score and two weeks let me write that this is the start of it from the going forth of the commandment that has been one of the biggest arguments in prophecy going forth of commandment that'll take me a while to get through this to show you and prove to you that the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem is Nehemiah the second chapter there's some things you need to understand about the Persian kings once they made a law it could not be invalidated even the king himself could not change it you're going to find that true in the book of Daniel if you go back over to Daniel the 6th chapter Daniel 6 this is the story of Daniel and the lion's den Daniel had been made king above all the princes of the kingdom in in Babylon Darius was the king Darius loved Daniel Darius was a Persian king the way you would think of that is Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan or Pakistan not Iraq uh, Persia would be would be Iran Pakistan Afghanistan those stands that would be Persia and Darius has got all these princes and he made he put Daniel ahead of all the princes in Israel he loved Daniel and all of Daniel's enemies go to King Darius and say Darius you're the great king and they start stroking him you know what that is kind of you're a wonderful king and you need to set up a law precedent that no one can pray to any king but you for 30 days and if they do they'll be thrown to the lion's den and Darius is kind of naive he doesn't have any idea that they're doing this to destroy Daniel and so he makes the decree and they say here in verse 8, this is chapter 6, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians that altereth not. That word altereth is the word adah. A-D-A-H once the decree was given it couldn't be changed by the king himself not in his lifetime or any other lifetime well the first thing that happens they see Daniel these enemies of Daniel go by his house they look at him when he comes in in the evening 
and he kneels down in front of his window. He doesn't even try to hide it. He kneels in front of his window and starts praying to God. They'll go, ha ha, we caught him. They go to Darius and say, Daniel has been asking of his God. We saw him. We caught him in the very act. And Darius is unhappy because he loves Daniel. Then they came near in verse 12 and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. You made a decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every, that every man that maketh that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Once we make a decree, it has to stand. And there in verse 15, And these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. The word is shina, changed, S-H-E-N-A, S-H-E-N-A. It cannot be changed. It means diverse or lie against or altered. It can't be altered. Not even by you. Put him in the lion's den. And God, and he's taken to the lion's den, and you know the story. And these lions were hungry. And they were roaring for their food. And Daniel was cast in. And they all lay down and go to sleep because Daniel is loved, beloved by God, just like like Gabriel told him he was. And as the men that put him into the lion's den, they they were condemned to the den, along with these other men that had tried to trick the king against Daniel, and he threw them all in the den. The lions ate them up. Now that's one place that a Persian king, you got another place of Persian king, Xerxes. You remember I spoke of Haman when I was telling about all those. Haman was the wicked man in the book of Esther. Now, in the book of Esther, Xerxes is the king, or Ahasuerus, however you want to pronounce it, go over to the book of Esther. You've still got a Persian king, and it never alters. This has to do with when the decree was given to rebuild the city. From the going forth, of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. That's Jesus. He came into Jerusalem as a prince to be crowned king, and they crucified him as the Passover lamb. Now, where did I say we were going to go? Esther. Huh? Esther. Esther. Let's go to Esther. Esther, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Esther, the first chapter. In Esther, the first chapter, 
the king is Xerxes or Ahasuerus, A-H-A-S-U-E-R-U-S. He's Xerxes, and his queen is a woman named Vashti. Some people will pronounce it Vashti. You don't want to name your kid Vashti, your daughter, just like you don't want to name her uh, Jezebel or her wicked, evil daughter out of hell. Athaliah. You don't want to name any of those. Vashti, King Xerxes, or Ahasuerus, told Vashti, I want you to come to me and come to my bow to me as a king come to my presence she refused she said no I don't know why because he was the king so because she refused that was more or less a command by the king when you get down here to verse 19 well let me read 18 likewise shall the ladies of Persian media, the, out of the Persian media empire, say this day unto the king's princes, which have heard the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. Verse 19. And Mr. Hazarus is going to say, bring all the beautiful virgins of the kingdom, bring them here. I'm going to pick me a queen among her, among them, to be my to be my queen and guess who he picks a lady named Hadassah and, they, and she was called Esther she was very beautiful to look upon Esther and read this verse 19. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and Medes, that it be not altered. Same word, adah, remove or pass away. Once the king makes it, that's it. This is important for me to show you that the laws of the Medes and Persian never changed. Once they made a law, that was it. Well, there's a man that comes up and and they get all these virgins together and the most beautiful one of all of them is Esther there in the verse 7. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther. And Esther had a cousin. It calls him an uncle because his name was Mordecai. And this in the laws of the Medes and Persians altering not has everything to do with when the commandment went went forth to rebuild the city. And this, the you had Esther, you actually had Mordecai, Mordecai, and then you had Esther, and she was actually the daughter of his uncle. So that made her actually his cousin. But he said he would adopt her. 
and you had the king. You had King Xerxes. I'm going to call him Xerxes. X-E-R-X-E-S. Or Hazarus, whichever you want to call him. And Mordecai, there was a wicked, evil man named Haman. He was courting Xerxes or Ahasuerus. He was trying to make him feel good. He's bragging on him. And Xerxes appointed Haman, not Hamas, Haman, head of all of his princes. And everyone had to bow to him. He went out in public, and Mordecai would not bow to him. So Haman goes to Xerxes, and there's something that Mordecai tells tells Esther, which is his cousin, says, Do not tell the king that you are a Jew. Don't tell him. Well, when Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman, Haman goes to Xerxes and says, Can you make a decree that these Jews are all trying to take your kingdom? And there were more Jews than there were on Haman's side. said, Can you make a decree that I can go out there and annihilate or destroy or kill all these Jews? And Xerxes is so enamored by Haman's bragging and boasting on him, he makes a decree. And that can't be altered either. No way. So Mordecai, Esther, has not told the king that she's a Jew. Because her uncle told her not to do that. So, Esther hears about this ploy by Haman. And she says, and she goes she goes to throw a banquet for Haman and Xerxes. You want to get tricky? She's going to get tricky. So she goes to throw a banquet, and they come together at the banquet, and she asks Xerxes. Xerxes loves Esther. Esther. She is gorgeous, and he loves her. And she says, Would you, and at this time... Haman has been building a gallows. It's actually, the word is tree. When they would hang somebody on the tree, and this goes along with the second decree to build the temple. When they hung a man on the tree, they would run run the tree up his bottom and out his mouth. And that's what that's what Darius threatened to do to Tatanai. He said that Tatanai was dancing around like a cat on a hot tin roof when he threatened to that. And so Ed, Esther tells Mordecai what he's gonna do kill all the Jews and she gets Xerxes to make another decree that the Jews can defend themselves 
They can kill all the people that attack them. And that decree can't be altered either. So she gets, she gets Esther asked Xerxes to hang Haman on that tree. And he does. And that's something that could not be altered. You have to understand that before you can understand the second decree given by Darius. Because that's a decree that cannot be changed. Now let's go back over here. This is it's a lot of thinking. Now let's go back over to Daniel. Let me read that one more time. This is the time period of the 70 weeks. 70 weeks of Daniel is the most interesting thing concerning prophecy. It's the very bridge that bridges Old Testament to New. It's a bridge, and you'll see that as we go along. And Daniel 9, let's look at it one more time. Daniel, hold on. I'm flipping too fast. All right. So the time period of the 70 weeks for God to clean up Israel and not only clean up Israel, which would clean us up, and we're spiritual Israel. So we have to be cleaned up. There can be no more sin. There can be no more iniquity at the end of the 70 weeks. There can be no more prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. Everlasting righteousness will be here. And the last one will come in that will be anointed by God. So this has to be at the end of time. Or at the signing of the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet in Revelation 10 and 7. Now, let's look here one more time. Let me read that to you again. From the going forth, verse 25, of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. Let's look at where the where the commandment was stored and build Jerusalem. When a Persian king simply put his hand to a letter, that he wrote a letter, that was law. It was a commandment. He didn't have to have a signet ring. All he had to do was write it out and put his approval on it, and it was law. Now look over here in Nehemiah. you got to go backwards over to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is, it's really funny. This is not, Nehemiah comes after Ezra. Nehemiah and Ezra were buddies. They were pals. They talked to each other. Ezra, Ezra is one of the most important books of the Bible. The book of Ezra, Ezra was the man who put together all of the Scripture, all of the Holy Scripture of the Old Testament. He was the man accredited to doing that, bringing all of it together. 
And Ezra, Ezra was a descendant of Aaron. So Ezra was a high priest. And Ezra put together Old Testament. And then you have Nehemiah. Ezra lived in the neighborhood of 456 B.C. Nehemiah gave the decree to rebuild the city. They didn't call it a decree. They called it a letter. But a letter from the king was the same thing as decreeing it. Now, if... Ezra is given the first three decrees. Ezra, the first chapter, along with Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter, and the last verses there where he gives a decree. Ezra comes in and overthrows Babylon, or he actually overthrows Belshazzar, and he gives the decree in Ezra the first chapter that was by Cyrus. Cyrus gave the decree, Ezra records it. And then in the sixth chapter, in Ezra the sixth chapter, That decree was given by Darius. By Darius. This first one was given by Cyrus. And then you had a... But, remember, if that first decree was to rebuild the temple, it couldn't be given again. All the second decree was for was to reinforce the first decree. Because it could, if you put a, a, a speed limit out here on the side of the road, 45 miles an hour, you don't want to go down to the city hall and say, I think we, this road out here, we need to put a speed limit of 45 miles an hour. They say, we already got one there. We got signs out there. You couldn't do that a second time. That's why Darius couldn't do it. And that's why Artaxerxes, Art couldn't do it. Art couldn't do it in Ezra the 6th chapter. Or 7th chapter, excuse me. Ezra the 7th chapter, Artaxerxes is now the king. He's a Persian king. But he couldn't give that decree. And that was about supplying the temple. with everything it needed. And Ezra was coming back from Babylon to come over here and see how things were going with the rebuilding of the things. So, when Nehemiah, in Nehemiah the second chapter, how much time do I have, Mike? Two minutes. I can't get this in. I'll come back. And get, I want to show you, there's all these kind of arguments, arguments by all of the so-called scholars. And I've never heard one of them mention 
that the degrees of the prison of the of the Medes and Persian alters not. It couldn't be changed, not even by the king himself. Once that decree is given to rebuild the temple by Ezra, all they can do, the other decrees, is to reinforce this first decree. That's it. And you couldn't have in Nehemiah, the second chapter, Artaxerxes writing out a decree for Nehemiah to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. If it had ever been given, you don't have anything in the first decrees about rebuilding the city. It's not there. It only happens Nehemiah the second chapter. And Nehemiah is very sad. And, and Artaxerxes really likes Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a cupbearer for Artaxerxes. That's the closest man he could have in his cabinet. He's the guy that would bring the drink to him and he'd taste of it and if it killed him the king wouldn't drink of it I got a lot more to say on that I'm out of time let's pray Father thank you for truth thank you for giving me a hunger for this book years ago continue to open it up to me let me see it God will let the people see what it's about because this seven weeks of Daniel is telling, it tells us about the end of time. Thank you for all of this. And we pray that you'll fight our battles, our enemies. We're not worthy to even ask you that. Forgive us of our sin. And Lord, we'll give you praise for everything you do. We'll glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. I get in the middle of this, and i got so many places to go. I want to go, but I can't. I can't get them all at once. I've spent my life in this. I'm looking for my top to this, and I don't see it.